0: I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at self-care, particularly self-care rituals that really help enrich in and rejuvenate the soul. I am so excited about this episode because I was... Um, Able to interview Emma Lowy and Lindsay Kellner from Mind Body Green. They've recently come out with a book that is amazing. I highly recommend it. I, I've just gotten so, so excited about it. It's called The Spirit Almanac A Modern Guide to Ancient Self Care. And this book is really about looking at self care in a way that's super approachable, easy to understand, and easy for anyone to do every single day. And this was such an exciting interview. We really touched on a lot of things, not just the importance of self-care, some ways to do self-care, but also really how much our lives have changed in the modern day and how we often kind of reframe or view differently what self-care really means in the modern age. And it was just such a joy talking to these two amazing authors uh, so, without further ado, here's the interview. Give it a listen. I know you're going to love it. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I am so excited today to be interviewing Emma Lowy and Lindsay Kellner. They are co-authors of the book, The Spirit Almanac, A Modern Guide to Ancient Self-Care. I am so excited for the release of this book. It's something that really speaks to my soul. Um, As many of you know, who have been listening to the podcast for a long time. I'm just a huge proponent of self-care. This is something that's so important in our lives and that not a, a lot of us really take the time to do like we should in modern day. And so uh, I want you to kind of take some time to sit back, listen to this interview, take it all in, because I know that these amazing ladies are going to be sharing some phenomenal advice for all of you. So Emma and Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having us. We're so excited. Well, I am really grateful that, first of all, that you wrote this book because I think it is so needed in the world, but also for you just taking the time to be here and share about it with everyone. Um, So would you mind telling us a little bit about yourselves and how you got started on this journey, this spiritual journey of self-care, and also kind of why that inspired you to write this book?
1: Yeah. uh, Wow, that's a great question. So um, this is Lindsay speaking. I am the beauty and wellness editor at Mind Body Green. Um, It's actually interesting. I'm in a little bit of a transition even at work. So um, by the time this episode comes out, I will be a contributing editor for Mind Body Green and I will also be um, continuing my own blog and podcast called Well Aware. That's a little bit about what I do. Um, I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I don't know what other kinds of things you want to know. I'm a Leo. Um, my moon is in cancer. Um, and you know, by trade, I'm, I'm a writer and editor, but I've always been interested in sort of, um, wellness, which is, I feel like such a weird word to use right now because it's so ubiquitous and it can mean so many different things, but um, for For me, the way I got started was actually through yoga. I started taking yoga when I was 13, um, which was quite a while ago. I'm 31 now. Um, so it was you know one of those things that I, I registered for a class at my my town's recreational center and I, it was me and a bunch of senior citizens. <laughs> um, and it was it, you know but it was it really. Did bring me into my myself into my body. I wasn't somebody who loved sports. I never, um, I guess, I never really developed that hand-eye coordination that you that you need to really succeed in sports. And um, I think there was something about the solitude of yoga that really took the pressure off and gave me um, the the time and the space that I needed to to come into myself. And I think. You know, for, for me, my journey um, started when, I, certainly when I started taking yoga classes, even though I didn't really know, it was more of a physical release for me. Um, but in high school and in college, I had eating disorders. And so like so many of us who come into wellness because there's some kind of illness, um, I, I think it really started there. And then um, my spiritual journey started when I really, truly started to heal from that.
0: And how did that kind of translate for you into shifting into this um, appreciation for self care and and how did that kind of tie into the creation of this book
1: so for me um, I think that i'm I'm somebody with a a, a, a tendency to be a perfectionist and so um, I think that's a character trait that goes along oftentimes not all the time but oftentimes with um, having eating disorders and a certain a certain personality type. and so a lot of times I see things very black and white and, developing an awareness around that um, was really the first step in my journey. I think, you know, I, start, I started to do a lot of different types of healing modalities on my own, also engaging in, in many years of therapy and one-on-one counseling, um, spiritual and non. And, um, you know, for me, I think self-care, I, I think I really notice it when I don't do it. <laughs> um, even, you know, as I, as I, as I'm talking to you now, I'm I'm going through a huge transition that I feel like is a, a radical act of self-care, which is leaving a full-time job um, to be to to give myself more time um, because I've started to go through kind of a personal health crisis, and um, that's manifested in a lot of ways, and I've had a lot of symptoms over the last few months of um, heart palpitations and. Um, dizzy spells and all of these kinds of things that you can't really trace, or I haven't yet been able to trace. And I've been to so many doctors to some sort of specific diagnosis. And I think a lot of that comes down to how are we relating to ourselves? How are we taking care of ourselves? How are we listening to our own bodies? And I think that it's one thing to be in this industry and to talk about self-care and to think about self-care and have it on your mind all the time. I can certainly say, you know, that to me sometimes felt like enough, but when I wasn't actually practicing it, when I wasn't taking 10 minutes at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day to meditate, or when I don't go to yoga, which is still a huge act of self-care for me, or when, you know, I don't take the time to Have a day that I can just be at home during the week and I'm not, you know, rushing out and and doing, you know, uh, this event and that event and going to work and going to see friends. You know, when you don't take that time to really recharge, whatever that means to you, I think that, you know, for me personally, I start to notice that deficit. I also think that um, self care has a direct relationship with these days how we're interacting with our devices. And I think that, you know, our devices are um, addicting, <laughs> at least for me. And I think that, um, you know, it's it's fun to be on Instagram and it's fun to have access to podcasts and it's fun to, to be able to, you know, use the internet at any time at any place to figure out literally anything. Wow, what an amazing advancement of technology. But we're only just starting to see the effects of how it's really messing with our minds, and it's messing with our propensity to just be. Um, so, for me, I think to you know self care and um, moderating that as well has been a a, a huge. Um, it's been a huge focus of mine in the last, I would say, few years.
0: You know, I'm so glad that you touched on this because I think you're absolutely. Right. About how much our devices are really influencing us. For example, just a friend of mine recently, you know, I'm sure many people who are listening right now, like the first thing you do when you wake up is you check your phone. Right. And, um, I recently had a friend of mine tell me she found herself getting this habit where every day when she got up before she rolled out of bed, the first thing she did when she opened her eyes was reach her, her, her phone, check her email, look through, see what she missed overnight on social media. And she'd spend about the first 10 to 15 minutes of her day in bed looking at her phone. And she said, I realized that this was such a huge problem. And how did I get to this point? You know, I went how many years of my life without that being part of my routine? And I just noticed that it was really affecting me. So she said she made a conscious effort to wake up get up and go make a cup of tea, have a little tiny something, just a little bite of something for breakfast. And then she would actually get back in bed for about 10 or 15 minutes, not to go to sleep, but just to lay there and relax into the day and allow herself to really kind of come into that present moment consciousness and just really Think about what it was she wanted to do that day and kind of mentally plan, mentally set some goals, think about things that were important to her so that she could really be conscious about the action she was going to take. And then she got up and started her day. And she said it just made such a huge shift for her, feeling that disconnect from, um, the compulsion to go check her phone first thing in the morning. And it was such a small change, yet such a big change for her.
2: Yeah, totally. I think just making time for, you know, little things like that can be so powerful. And I kind of used to do something similar, Um, you know, every morning I'd wake up, I'd, you know, either check email or social media and it was kind of the same thing. I just would like get out of bed and just not feel like 100%, not really feel like myself. And recently I've started to try to um, instead of doing that, I will think about um, a few things that I'm grateful for. And that's kind of like a nice way to set the tone for the day. I am like not a morning person at all. So I found that it kind of helps me get (laughs) a little bit, you know, more excited to roll out of bed. Um, So yeah, I think just pinpointing those moments in your life where you really can set aside a few moments to just take a time for yourself and kind of tune out the rest of the world is just so so powerful and so important um and I kind of going back to this is Emma speaking um my kind of interaction with self-care I think that I kind of came to it similar similarly to how Lindsay did it's just in the sense that it's helped me um through certain like anxieties and I feel like we like it's really helped me come into my body um and I yeah it just
0: yeah, I think that this is something that, I, I, you know, I, I, we're all about the same age. I'm 32. And I, I think that especially for people around our age, we do have, um, and I'm so glad that you brought up this like uh, topic of anxiety, because I think a lot of us, we, you know, grew up in a time where things were shifting so rapidly and not that previous generations didn't have this also. Obviously, modernization has been going on for a long time. But just the rate at which things in our world have changed and the rate at which um, social interactions have changed and which a lot of things that are valued about wellness and self-care have changed, I think has left a lot of us feeling a little bit disoriented when it comes to what is um, necessary with self-care. A lot of us kind of push this idea of self-care down somewhere where we don't pay attention to it because there are so many other things going on and happening in our lives. And I think finally now people in our age group and younger are kind of feeling this return to self-care. And a lot of times millennials get a little bit of crap for this, right? (laughs) Like um, people make us out to be kind of self-centered and things like that. But really, I think that what we're doing is placing greater importance and greater value on things that have real meaning in our lives. And so I'm really excited to kind of dive into the book a little bit because it really focuses on taking that time to nourish yourself. Um, And it it does this through some little like rituals and things that people can do every day. You're all about making it accessible and making it easy for people. So I would love to know a little bit more about um, how this kind of came about. How did you create some of these little rituals in this book?
1: Yeah. So I think this is Lindsay. um, Thank you for saying that. I I think that um, one of the things it's so, it's so interesting. I mean, you said a lot in there and I have a lot of feelings about (laughs) the way millennials are treated in a societal context. I think um, I'm like right on the cusp of millennial. I think I'm a little bit old to be a millennial, um, but I think I do still fall squarely in that millennial space. And you know, it's, it's funny, our parents' generation or even the generation right before us, our older brothers and sisters can look at us and think, you know, uh, that, that we're so soft and that we're, um, you know, so uh, almost a little selfish. And I think that the reason there's that perception is because we're really the first generation that has um, grown up with a digital native sensibility, in that we're the first generation who grew up who had computers, and at some point in grade school, you know a computer was introduced, and we were young enough to to absorb that and sort of absorb it as a second language and I think that when we're when we're thinking about these things and you know to your point, everything has evolved so quickly you know now it's really easy for you to scroll through your instagram feed and to like a few inspirational quotes and to think that's self-care and i would like to argue that it's part of it you know certainly introducing yourself to to self-care through a through a digital lens is one step in the right direction, but I think one of the reasons why Emma and I wrote this book is because we want people to return to the physical. There's a reason it's a book and that, and that it's analog. Um, that meant a lot to us. So I think um, to answer our question about how we came up with these rituals, what we did was we we divided the book into the seasons. So each each chapter is a season. And we picked different holidays within each season, and different moments within each season that were meaningful to us, um, or that were lost or forgotten. And we, we sort of, you know, we imagined what 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 we might do ourselves to celebrate these seasons in a way that um, honors the ancient traditions behind those seasons, and in a way that honors the earth. Nature plays a huge part in our book. Um, but also the reality is that Emma and I are journalists. So it's, it's funny we talk and Emma, feel free to jump in at any time. But we, we talk a lot about how in our book, we, we consult with experts. We have probably a dozen and a half experts that we have consulted across all different healing modalities, whether it's Reiki or meditation or yoga or tasology, or astrology, all of these things. You know, we don't claim to be an expert in any of them. Rather, you know, we're sort of curators of those of those types of modalities that we have. Experienced ourselves or heard about, and and wanted to introduce in a broader context. So, but we're 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 the experts in writing and researching. So there was an enormous amount of of writing and research that went into this book. And so, for each season, we give the reader context of what it means from the point of view from Ayurveda, what it means from the point of view of somebody um, who believes in a traditional Chinese medicine system, and also what it might mean for For different cultures around the world that are different from our own. And so we really wanted to show a broader context and a different perspective on ritual. Um, And we really want, we thought that that sort of tangibility and that kind of information might inform the types of rituals that we may want to do and also to give meaning to the rituals because I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you can do almost anything and call it self-care if it's analog, but I think infusing it with meaning and infusing it with that rich history is something special about the book.
0: So let me ask you both this. um, Was it kind of that uh, need to connect to the physical then that actually inspired the methods of self-care that you're discussing in this book, Those that actual uh, practice of ritual, that practice of getting physically involved, um, was that really kind of influenced then by that perspective?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that it was, you know, as like Lindsay said, we're journalists by traits, so we kind of love learning more about everything. Um, so it was really fun to kind of dive into those really physical, tangible ways that people throughout history have used ritual and used it as a way to, you know, connect with themselves and connect to the earth. Um, so definitely. And I think that another huge part of the book is we do consult with experts for a lot of like rituals. Basically the way the book is laid out is, um, there's one ritual given for different holidays throughout the year and there, are you know, um, holidays like Christmas, as well as, you know, more esoteric ones. Like we consider like the full and new moons and, mm-hmm. Um, so it's divided into that, those categories. And then we list one ritual for each one. And we also consult an expert for kind of their, um, takeaway rituals, so to speak. Um, so the book is really meant to be visited and revisited throughout the year, every year and kind of be more of like a handbook. Like we really imagining, imagine someone, you know, writing in this book and kind of marking the pages up and just coming back to it year after year to kind of celebrate these different points, um, and. Come back to themselves.
0: You know, one thing that I really love about the way that you've organized this is that, you know, a lot of us don't consider that around the times of different holidays, those are the times of greatest stress in our lives most of the time. And we really need um, to work to make time for more self-care. So it's almost like this amazing tool or resource that people can turn to when they're caught up in the midst of it. You know how sometimes, like you're you're super stressed out, you're go go go, but you're not uh, present enough in your body or in your mind to realize kind of what's taking place until it's too late, until you get sick, until. You're totally depleted. And I like this as a reminder. This is something people can keep on their bedside table, keep on their desk, keep somewhere where, like you said, it is this physical thing. It's this physical reminder to take time. And I like that at any given time of year, you can flip open this book and get a little guidance from people that sound like a friend, you know, who are here uh, offering this collected knowledge, this collected wisdom that you've both really done the groundwork to collect from all these experts. And I think that what you're sharing here is just so beautiful that way. So thank you both.
1: Oh, thanks for, thanks for loving on it. It's in the way that you speak about it is really exciting. Do you, do you have a copy by the way?
0: I don't, I've just been like, We'll send you one. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I've already (laughs) pre-ordered. Oh, thank you. I've already pre-ordered. So I'm about um, just a couple weeks away from my copy arriving in the mail and I can't wait. So this is actually being released on October 16th of this year. Um, And it will be a hardcover book. It's absolutely beautiful. We'll have a link to it in the show notes below the podcast. You guys definitely are going to want to check it out. But let me ask you this. I would love a little sneak peek into one of your favorite rituals or practices that you share in the book. And you don't have to give away everything, but just kind of give us an idea of um, an example of one of the types of things that you share.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so one of the holidays that we've called out that's of special importance to me because I'm uh, the sustainability ed- editor at Mind Body Green, so I kind of come to it more through the lens of like I've always had this really deep rooted appreciation for nature, and it was really important to me to have a lot of rituals that really do get people to go outside and really connect with with Mother Earth. So um, this is a ritual for Earth Day, um, and it also it incorporates crystals. So we thought it'd be a fun one to share. Oh, perfect.
1: Yeah. So, um, so this ritual for this ritual, I mean, we were debating, we could read a little bit from the book, um, or we can kind of just give you a little bit of a sneak peek, but, um, the idea for this one is to get some kind of, um, get some kind of talisman and, when Emma was talking about earlier, it could be a crystal, or it could be, uh, you know, a, a necklace, or it could, it's something that you don't mind parting with. And the idea about this Earth Day is to sort of re- return something to Mother Earth. Um, you know, Emma and I have a, a we try our our best. <laughs> we both live in Brooklyn, and we live in New York, so it can be really hard sometimes to get out into nature and to experience nature. Um, but you know, we, we've, we both also grew up in Connecticut and we've spent enough time by the water and in the trees and the forest to really understand its, its ability to heal us. And, um, you know, I think that we both, I actually think Emma wrote this one. Um, and, When she was writing, I think that it's it's really it's a it's an idea of of returning something and and thanking the mother, and so this idea of taking a crystal, maybe or taking a stone or taking um, something of significance that was once of the earth, and going to your favorite spot in nature, whether it's going to the ocean whether it's going to a clearing in the woods near your house, whatever, it doesn't have to be fancy. It it can even be um, a cemetery, like whatever, it doesn't matter. And, um, you know, you sit for a moment and really ground and get quiet with nature and hold this object in your hand and, and think about the ways that you're grateful for the earth and sort of infuse that object with meaning as you're meditating and as you're holding it, as you're thinking about how you're grateful for the, for the earth. And after you do that, you take the object and you bury it, you bury it into the ground beneath you. Or if you're at a body of water, you can throw it into the water. Um, but just return it to where it came from and spend a little more time there. You know, thinking if you like to journal, we both are big people, big people, we're both big journalers. Um, so we, we both really like to write. So that's something natural that, that we would then do after. Um, and then, you know, you'll have a very special connection with that place from, from here on out. And it's something you can do every season. It's something you can do once a year and something you can do once. Um, and I think that that really can, can strengthen your connection with, with the earth.
0: You know, I love how accessible this is because really any of us can do this. Like you said, even the two of you who live in Brooklyn, and it can be really difficult to find that connection to the natural world. um, This is still something that's totally doable for you. It might take a little bit more effort, but still totally within grasp. And I think that this connection to the earth is so important to our wellness and our well being and our self care practice. And I love that you said that, you know, this can be something that you do once a year or once a month or just once, you know, but just kind of getting out there and doing it and having that experience because this is actually something I've done many times in my life, something very, very similar to what you're describing. And it is such a powerful experience um, to feel that connection to this planet that you're a part of that you share with billions and billions of other creatures and beings. And it's just such a powerful experience. Um, and I would imagine, you know, I'm a big writer too. So for me, I I've definitely journaled about this experience several times, but it, as you were talking, it made me think about, you know, because you kind of put it in the context of, well, we do that because we're writers. I imagine for other people, you know, you could sing or you could dance or you could drum or you could paint or you could draw Totally, totally. any way to express that experience. I just, I love that you've shared that. So thank you both so much for being here today. Um, tell us a little bit about the book itself, where people can find it, um, how it's going to be released, what we, we can expect. And I'm sure people are really anxious to hear all about it.
2: Yeah. So like you mentioned, it comes out October 16th um, and it's available online. Again, it's called The Spirit Almanac, A Modern Guide to Ancient Self-Care. And Lindsay and I are also planning a few events for it in the New York City area. So stay tuned for those. Um, And people can follow the book on our website, which is just spiritalmanac.com. And then we have an Instagram, which is um, also just at Almanac.
0: Perfect. And of course, we will have links to those in the show notes as well to make it really nice and easy for all of you who are listening. So again, Lindsay and Emma, thank you so much for being here with us today. Really appreciate you sharing everything that you shared today.
1: Well, thank you for having us and thank you for such a thoughtful conversation.
0: So that was it. That was my interview with the amazing Emma Lowy and Lindsay Kellner. I hope that you enjoyed listening as much as I did chatting with the two of them. Um, Again, if you are interested in hearing even more about this topic, check out their upcoming book, The Spirit Almanac, A Modern Guide to Ancient Self-Care. It will actually be released on October 16th. It's available everywhere books are sold. We'll have links to it in the blog post that accompanies this podcast, so definitely give that a look and add it to your reading list. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. If you want more information about anything that I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com/blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, of course, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe through that link as well so that you never miss a future episode. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy.